Hello, and welcome to Personalized Learning with Matt and Courtney, where we're talking through the do-do's and don't-do's of learner-centered, proficiency-based education. My name is Matthew Shea, and with me today, as always, is me, Courtney Belolan. How you been, Courtney? Um, awesome. It's summer. It is summer, and we've taken some time off. Yeah. Because it, it's summer. It's summer. So, uh, but we're back. <laughs> yeah, we are. Ready for ready for school again. You know what we're so, doing? What are we're we doing? We're gearing up. For we school. are gearing up. <laughs> Make them up later. Yeah. So before we start, as always, please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes because if you rate and review us, it gets us up to the charts a little bit, which exposes us to more people so more people can find the show. Please share it uh, with whatever social media you'd like. Mm. You can follow us on Twitter, uh, the podcast at, at PLearnMC. You can follow me at EatSleepStats. I'm at C. And you can also follow us on Facebook, PLearn with MC, and also our website where you can kind of find everything is plearnmc.weebly.com. So, as always, posts from the parking lot. It's been quiet on the parking lot because it's summer. It's summer. It's summer. Um, anyway, each podcast will share some of these, the questions, comments, and suggestions from our listener. And so here is what we have this time. Summer slump. How appropriate. I keep hearing about how our students lose ground over the summer and how there are programs in place to help prevent this. What is available to prevent the summer slump for those of us that have been listening to your podcasts? I want to keep reflecting on your comments and my practices. Awesome. That's how we grow. That is awesome. And for me, right off the bat, the last sentence is the, is the most of it. Yeah. Keep reflecting on it and figure out what what you what you can yeah. do better and what what uh, how you can support your students better. That's a great way to start right there. Yeah, like to me, I think these. All right, honestly, like it boils down to like one thing for me. Okay. Read. That's it. Read. Read over the summer. Did you just drop the mic? Yeah, I did. Okay, that's drop. good. I think that's I think that's right because. Uh, one thing that we've done in our district, actually, to help support some of these uh, summer slump is instead of having summer school happen, mm -hmm. uh, we've decided to send books home to kids yeah. with like little follow-up postcards yeah. on how they're doing. Yeah. Uh, so I was That's looking. Really cool. I was looking last week at some of the responses that have come in, and the kids are just like writing the postcards really wonderful, which is not something that was just required. But they're writing saying, thank you, we're very excited about this book. Yeah. I took it to the beach with my mom awesome. and that sort of thing. Cool. So I think it's a lot better uh, immediately, just anecdotally, of course. Yeah. I think it's better than whatever they had for summer school. And the, our teachers that, that were doing this have really found it more beneficial for the kids also. Yeah. Than coming into summer school. And I'm not going to dump on summer school because it's very important. But... It's not always about doing the things when the kids need it. Mm -hmm. So sending books home every two weeks and having postcards to send back if they want. If they don't want, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. But it was fantastic. So we're getting great feedback from the kids. So I think yeah. it's going to some, something we're going to continue. That's a cool program. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think anything like that, like really reading over the summer at roughly the same pace and um, rate as you did during the school year yeah. is really the number one thing to do. And I'm like, I can't help but be like, send your kids to camps. You know, and I exactly. get that there's money things on stuff, but like reach out to schools and local organizations. There are always scholarships. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, just get them out doing things and read. And Something different. That should be cool, yeah. One of, my, uh, one of my nephews did that this summer for the first time. They sent him away to camp for six weeks, which is sent him away is really different because it was like across town. <laughs> But it, but it was still yeah. overnight stuff Yeah, uh, that they were gone. And he got back about a week ago. And just the, the growth yeah. that the parents said where it was just like they came back and much older kids. Yeah. And it's, this kid's only like 11 or 12. Yeah. And just you come back a different person. Yeah. And it, it's, it's so valuable. Yeah. So look for things like that. Things like that. Uh, you know, you don't have to assign schoolwork no. or assign these different things. That's not what it's about. It's just you want to make it fun for the kids. Yeah. But you're right. Have them read. Read. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Yeah. Speaking of reading, professional magazines. <laughs> what a segue right High there. High five. <laughs> Thanks for the book recommendations. Are there any personalized learning journals out there? That's an awesome question. Um, as of yet, we don't really know. Um, we did some preliminary searching for like journals specific to um, personalized learning and 
came across one that looks like it's in the you know infancy and it's out of Malaysia, which makes the language translation a little hard for us. For us, anyway. <laughs> fear in Malaysia, rock on. Um, but I don't know. So any listeners, if you have any thoughts, um, you know, put it on the parking lot or yeah, let us know. But tweet it out. I'm, I'd love to know if there were. Maybe we start one, Matt. I think that that would be nice to, to to start one with some research base. Yeah, you, you can find all stuff, all kinds of stuff on websites. Right. You know, competencyworks.org, uh, where you blog from, Courtney. I do. Yeah. Is is very useful for for lots of lots of right. different things. It's not just about school based, but policy based and state based stuff. And just what's happening in the country. Yeah. Uh, that um, Education Reimagined has some great stuff out there about different visions of what's happening. Um, KnowledgeWorks has some great visions on a policy yeah. level and a what's happening level. So you can you can find places, right. but it's not all in one right now. No. And maybe that's maybe that's our job to come up with a maybe journal. Maybe that is our job. I wonder if you get rich off professional journals. Oh yeah, like filthy, like uh, buy an island rich. Off. So so not quite to the level of this podcast. <laughs> But just island stuff yeah, instead of island. country stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. Good. So keep looking out there. Just look for look for uh, all kinds of different places on the web. And do share. And please share. Put them on our parking lot. That's a great idea. Yeah, parking lot or hashtag PLearnMC. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm just winning left and right. You are winning today. <laughs> that is awesome. All right, uh-huh. let's go with the next one. Yeah. Next one talks about startup plan. It says your fourth episode covered a lot of the basic culture setting steps. Once I've set the culture of my classroom, what should my next steps be? That's a great question. It is. You know what? What? That's our focus of the week. What? Yeah. Wow. All right. All right, go. Um, yeah, so how do you start? Kind of what are the first things for setting up some personalized learning? Um, this poster, yes, number one, you have to get the culture stuff going. I'm, I'm hesitant to like brush past that, but I will honor it for today and move on to like, okay, now what with the actual, quote unquote, actual, air quotes, actual curriculum. Yeah, see, um, I'm not sure if that's what they mean, but okay. I, I get that's what a lot of people think. Yeah. But but you're right, the culture thing is huge mm-hmm. and it needs to start first. Yeah. Because once you have the culture set up, as we talked about in this fourth episode, thank you for plugging this, listener. Yeah is it's really important enough that we made a whole podcast about it. Right. And we probably could make another one later, yeah. which we probably we will. will. We will. Uh, but the culture is, is a huge thing. So it's don't just think you can do the culture in a day or two and mm-hmm. say, all right, as Courtney just said, move on to the, to the real stuff. <laughs> uh, now we're that's, going to learn that's not from it. The culture is the real stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so forget it. We're not going to tell you what to do because, I, no. <laughs> <laughs> be a great podcast <laughs> um all right well so here i have some thoughts on this okay. after so this this summer i did some work with some teams kind of jumping into some um significant personalized learning for the coming school year and so some of the things that i ended up kind of talking through with them and being like or that we came to were like good things to do um i think the first thing a teacher new to this idea of personalized learning needs to do is first they need to lay out the order in which things typically happen in their curriculum. Okay. I'm really intentionally avoiding the words scope and sequence here, mm-hmm. but that would kind of be what I mean. Okay. Um, because like what you have to set up, you have to set up a series of maps, essentially, mm-hmm. so that you, you and your students know the route of all the different learning so that they can navigate it on their own. And so it's kind of, it's multi-leveled, right? So one, there's the route for any given curriculum across the year. So you think about science. What's the order in which you typically teach the different science topics, not the learning targets, but like the big topics mm-hmm. in your classroom. You can kind of chunk things. Um, same thing for math, same thing for English, um, same thing for social studies. So I think that's number one is kind of map out the way things should go or typically have gone or could go or could go yeah so i'm thinking uh for some of the some of the classes that i've taught you might want to some of the stats classes that i used to teach i rearrange things a little bit uh when there's like 
presidential election right like there is coming up this year yeah. so you could just reorganize the yeah. things that are that still make sense for the kids right but also makes it a little more in context for them yeah because typically I think my like my polling unit or, or whatever that's called usually doesn't show up until like February perhaps uh, and that's a little late yeah, yeah <laughs> year, right. like especially in an election year. Especially like, when oh. it's in the news. You don't want yeah. to talk about all the margins of error and things like right. that in February when everything's all done because right. it's just like, well, why didn't we talk okay. about it way back then? Yeah. <laughs> and and the answer is, yeah, you're right. So you can rearrange some things to oh. make it uh, give it a bigger context. Yes. So that's a great plan. So map out the, the, the bigger topics for yeah. the year first that, that, they, that you think things could slash should go. Yeah, could slash okay. should go. Okay. Um, Typically, and I find in a lot of cases for, for like math and ELA, there are kind of like standard orders in which things happen. Yes. You know, or at least there are there are certainly things that sh- have to happen before other things from a skill development or knowledge development. There is. Yeah. So what about the person, let's talk about math for a second. Sure. What about the, the teacher who... Uh, is listening to you right now and saying, okay, well, I'd like to reorder some of this stuff, but my textbook has it in a different order. What do I follow? Not the textbook. Why not? Um, it doesn't matter. The textbook is set up in... I, I've written a lot on this. It's kind of <laughs> it's The textbook is set up in an arbitrary way that more or less just takes the quote-unquote expected content for any given year and like divides it up over time yeah so if there's 16 chapters in my book and I usually get to 10 yeah you're saying that's kind of arbitrary too right so if I just mixed them all up and whatever's appropriate for my kids yeah it doesn't really matter no it doesn't really matter no what matters is is that like and I'm I'm much more of a fluent converser in other other subjects than math but like um, I know that you need to add before you can multiply, right? So, so like there is that. Yeah, yeah. like that's super basic. Like, but um, so, but like, always think of that. Like, am I asking the kids to multiply before they can actually add? Hmm. That's that's what matters. That's the type of topics yeah. you want to look for for a general yeah. order. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So the textbook should be more of a resource yeah. than a. What, curriculum, not, I guess. The, here's my day by day curriculum. Right. It's like no, that's that's just wrong. Yeah. Pick out the stuff that's important. Right. And that your it, students need. That yeah. your students need and put it into an order that makes sense for them that they'll be successful in. Right. Okay. So I think step number one for like now, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Um, is to lay that out. Um, okay. Step probably also part I said it was multi-layered at the beginning I think Mm -hmm. another step of this is the learning target issue so for any topic you also have to think about what are the learning objectives or the um, learning targets as we call them Mm -hmm. for those topics or you know what have if you want to call it what has been a traditional unit like what are the things that have been in there Um, and then it kind of depends what kind of a district you're in if you're in a district like the one I work in you we have progressions. So let's say it is geometry that we're doing and I'm a seventh grade teacher, quote unquote seventh grade. Mm-hmm. So I look at what would traditionally be a seventh grade target. Mm-hmm. Um, I can access all of the targets that came before that one and all the targets that are gonna come after that one. So that's another kind of mapping I have to do for any unit, any topic I have to know what the targets are in there and then I have to know kind of the targets below and above what I have typically taught why do I need to do that Matt because you're an overachiever no mm, darn it how many strikes do I get um I don't know let's we'll just keep going <laughs> <laughs> fair enough uh, that way, I think you can meet the kids where they are. Yeah. So you're always going to have kids, if you're in a traditional school system, which I would assume that many, if not most of our listeners are, you're going to have kids come in at a, at a slower pace. They're yeah. behind a bit. Some kids are a little bit ahead. Uh, and it depends on your school system, of course. But if you have kids that are behind and kids that are ahead, which 99% of us do, 
you really have to know what's behind and ahead so you can meet them where they are so you know where they're going. You can't just plop them into the middle of the road, basically, and say, good luck, we're all going down now. Right. Because that's going to work for some kids, but it's not going to work for a lot of kids. And the goal for personalized learning is to meet all kids' needs. Right. Yeah. So it wasn't the overachiever thing? No. I kind of like that one. I know. I said, but... This should be... It should be... This should just be what we do. <laughs> this should be. It does make more sense, doesn't it? It does. It I, does. I mean, like, I'm a huge... For, I guess step number two is find a buddy. Find a collaborator. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. Because I know that we have some listeners that saying, I'm the only one in my school yeah. that's doing this right yeah. now. How do I help? And I, I would guarantee that if you're one in your school, there's another one there somewhere. Yeah. In your school... In your district. Absolutely. Or, seriously, uh, maybe we'll start a matchmaking service, too. So not only is personalized learning with Matt and Gordy starting a, a journal, a professional research-based journal, we're going to start a match service. Um, no, but you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> it kills me, but it's, but it's true. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we want to do is connect people who are doing this. Yeah. And if you're alone and you're just beginning... Where are you going to go? If you don't know really what to do and you're looking at some of these things that we talked about earlier, some of these websites, a lot of them are policy driven, mm-hmm. Yeah, which is really not my focus as, as a, as a <laughs> no. classroom teacher. No. No. It's like I want to change federal yeah. policy and state policy. Well, you know, that's awesome, <laughs> but I need to know what I can do this year. Yeah, And so it is about connecting people. And we've had some listeners that are the only ones in their schools yeah. and that we've conversed with that will be a future guest on here. Yeah. Just talking about what it's like to be the only one or yeah. the only one of a couple and, and where they can go from here. Right. So uh, that's upcoming. But please, if, if you want to be matched with someone. Uh, I'm just going to say use the hashtag again. Use, use the hashtag. Hashtag PLearnMC. I need a buddy. I don't know. Like, And that's yeah. it. And that's how we find some of these listeners yeah. because it's not they're not even like tweeting at us. No. They're just tweeting it to, to tweet. Right, they're just which tweeting is great. They're, they're tweeting and, and like help, giving us comments. Calls for help, yeah, it's great. and it's really and commenting about the podcast and stuff yeah. like that. So why not uh, start our own hashtag, Peel and MC? Yeah, God, this is going to be like I've already started that. It's going to be Ed Chat. It's going to be Ed. It, we're we're going to crush this hashtag thing. Hashtag It's going to be better than hashtag Yankees or something. Oh, probably not. Nobody, no. cares. Nobody cares about the Yankees anymore. <laughs> All right, that was uh, good. Moving on. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so what else you got for for any initial steps? So we've got. Um, okay, oh, so step number three, and then I think that's it, because we could go on forever. But I we, think, we could, yeah. Let's go yeah. one more, though, because we have a culture, and then we've kind of mapped out uh, the year with some learning targets, yeah, so it's, that's a little more in-depth. Yeah. So what's your third step? Um, is to figure out a way to make it visible to the students, whether, oh, it's, very key. whether it's on the wall, like you know, get all metaphorical and actually make like, you know, a map on the wall or, you know, a journal, whatever. Like, you know, you guys are all crazy educators who do this kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> make, you know, make it fun. Maybe it's like a river. I don't know. But like maybe make a map, um, have learning targets posted. Maybe it's an online thing, you know, for people who have digital classrooms. Maybe it's some kind of matrix where you've got the different targets for a unit and kids can check them off. Like just make it visible for the kids and let them in on it let them in be like hey these are all the things we're going to be doing this year or hey for the next few weeks we're focusing on these um by the way here's what came before here's the learning that came before some of these and here's the learning that comes after so let's figure out where we want to be or where you need to be showing the kids how it all connects is never a bad thing yeah especially if they can see that seventh grade math moves into eighth grade math but it's the same topics they just get a little bit more difficult right but it all connects yeah so yeah. why not open that to them right we sure. should be doing that all the time i agree yeah that's all right a, those are I great three steps some good three steps yeah, yeah i agree agreed if you want more please uh suggest some topics for us yeah go put put it on the parking lot or hashtag peeler and mc hashtag peeler and we're gonna make that trend <laughs> All right. All right, so we've got a guest. We do. Yeah. So um, we are going to be talking with a, um, a longtime friend of mine, Mr. Matt Lunt, and he is a teacher extraordinaire, works um, in South Portland schools in Maine, and um, 
Yes, we're going to talk with him about personalized learning because it is at the core of who he is as a teacher. Excellent. Hi, Matt. Thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're super excited. So I we told our listeners that you and I have known each other for a while now, um, that we actually kind of used to teach together in the same school, um, and that uh, I thought you have kind of the principles of personalized learning at the core of who you are as a teacher, which is why we wanted to have you on. Nice. I yeah. like that. Yeah. It's a good introduction. It is. So could you, um, you have a really interesting path to to your life as a teacher. Like, could you just kind of give us the rundown of, of your teaching history and kind of like how you came to be a classroom teacher, the kinds of things you did, and just, you know, just a quick little bio of who Matt is. Sure. Um, I'll start, I'll start early and it will include one idealistic mushy statement, but then it'll be pretty straightforward after that. Um, <laughs> so, so I went, uh, I went off to college and studied the two things that I thought I was, uh, had, had gotten really good grades in and was good at. And so I thought that's what I should study in college, um, English and and biology and um but uh i was i was also doing a lot of acting and i was thinking a stuntman would be a really fun job to have or an actor and uh but then for whatever reason i really did not uh enjoy um parts Jump. of <laughs> jumping what? off of buildings into <laughs> no no <laughs> being set on I, fire <laughs> I was just very disappointed with 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 small pockets of of, uh, of the population that were really visible. They probably weren't. I just didn't like people who weren't very thoughtful, and uh, and that that was kind of uh, you know dominating um, what I was seeing. Uh, and I was I was just eighteen or nineteen years old, but I was just I was kind of over it. And uh, and so I I was like, well, if I would like to change the world. I think that uh, the best way to do that would be to access the people early and uh, and and make them more thoughtful. And so I gave up my uh, my vague dreams of being a stuntman, and um, and just basically I figured I would just take classes in college that I wanted to teach uh, later on, and then just kind of tuck those classes away, and then. St- um, started to teach environmental education right out of college, um, and it was it was environment it was it was but it was it was environmental education, but that was really just to have kind of a science component and to and to have uh, you know a stewardship for the for the earth kind of thing. But really, what what we were doing with students, they would come to a place called the Chuanki Foundation, and it was this peninsula in uh, mid coast Maine. And we would meet groups of, of middle schoolers or high schoolers, and we would get 10 or 12 of them and a teacher chaperone, and we would hike all our stuff out uh, for five days to a campsite, and we would set up camp and cook over. They would, they would learn how to cook for themselves over a fire, and um, and they would sleep out in tents. And then during the day, we would do a lot of group building lessons and um uh, group challenges and things like that, and then we would mix in, you know, a forest study lesson or a salt marsh lesson or something like that. And so that was that was when, uh, for for about two and a half years, uh, I just got a new group of ten or twelve students, um, and would have to get to know them really quickly, and then um, help them work together and. Um, and also, just I went to this place when I was in sixth grade myself. I went oh, to Chuanki. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yes, and I was I was um, well, I was a I was a punk before and after. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't like I came back from Chuanki and and um, and was 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 fixed, but um, but it was it was definitely a place where I kind of got a a clean slate with an adult and and was doing things with students in small groups where I could kind of, uh, well, I just felt like I could, I was, I was not just that I was good at that kind of stuff, but that I could be really useful to the group. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, 
and that I was pretty comfortable out there and I could be I could be helpful to the group. And so that was that was a real change for me where, you know, I found myself being useful, wanting to be a positive member of the group as opposed to kind of sabotaging things. And um and I and so when I grew up, um I I I just wanted to I kind of wanted to get back to that place, but I also knew that I wanted to provide those kinds of experiences and so my job at Chiwanki was really to just make this really magical week that would that would lodge itself in, in people's brains, um, and they would they would kind of hopefully, you know, a couple kids each time would really would really take that home because that started to change who I wanted to be with groups of people and and also how I felt about myself. So um, so I did that, but then I would you know even when I would lead five week I would lead five week trips in the summer for them. Um, but whether it was five days or five weeks, it wasn't really long enough. Um, and you know, you couldn't see the change, you know, you didn't know if they were just going to go back to their middle school and, and, and continue to have kind of a, um, you know, a, a, a rough go at middle school. So, um, I wanted to be a part of the whole, the, the whole year. And, um, so I started student teaching and then got my, uh, or I was in ed tech and then I got my. Uh, teaching certification, and then I went into alternative ed. Um, I was thinking I might be a, a language arts teacher in high school, um, but I got my general ed K through eight, and uh, and this job um, opened up in the spring that I was looking for work, and it was seventh and eighth grade alternative ed. Uh, they had gone through like three teachers in three years, or I was the third teacher in three years, or something like that, and. Um, and it was, it was going to be uh, eight or ten kids that um, that were kind of blowing out of mainstream classes uh, for various reasons. We would kind of put together a good mix of anxious kids and angry kids and sad kids. And <laughs> if we got the balance just right, um, they would all uh, prop each other up. Um, we only had one year where we were like, oops, all angry eighth grade boys. Uh, that yeah. was that, <laughs> that was a mistake. That was um, a mistake. <laughs> but, but mostly but mostly we, we had a, a really interesting balance. Um, and so I did that for I think seven for I think seven years, um, six or seven years. And uh, and it was a lot of social work and it was a lot of um, tying together and integrating units because I was there. I was their teacher for all four subjects. They would go to their exploratories or their related arts, and they would uh, they would come to me though for their four core classes. And so I had seventh and eighth graders in the room. And the trick was just to find something really interesting. Usually, I would pick it from the science world, or I would do something that was that really had some teeth to it from social studies, like civil rights or um, or you know rights as a citizen or something like that. Um, and then try to tie the the main subject areas to it so even though this year is my first year um, I'll be teaching math and and language arts as a as a mainstream teacher a couple just a couple years ago I was basically trying to see what's a topic in science or social studies that the kids will really dig into and has some opportunity for them to explore on their own and and how can I um, kind of attach writing um, writing products to it and um and coach them through the writing process um and see and 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 you know tie math to it whenever possible so that's what i did for six or seven years did took them out whenever i got bored um or really stuck i would put another camping trip on the agenda i'd be like okay you know what in in three weeks we're gonna spend three days in the bigelows or we're gonna spend three days in the uh, 100 mile wilderness or something mm. and I had a great administration my whole time there that just uh, kept saying yes which was nice um, and uh, but then I honestly like I, I started a family and um, and it was uh, it was really difficult to be Papa Bear at school um, for a bunch of kids who really needed somebody solid all day um, and needed someone in their lives, and then to also have uh, have a couple people at home that really needed me in their lives. So, yeah. Um, so I looked uh, for I looked to be a mainstream teacher where I could just be a really good part uh, of one part of their day, um, 
And while there would be people who really needed me to be a big part of their day, there would be other people who just needed a good science class um, or just needed a good math class. Um, and, uh, and I had really been trying to figure out inroads to, to take what I thought was working really well for struggling kids mm. and, and get it into mainstream classes where I thought it would really, you know, it, I didn't think I was doing anything that was targeted to alternative ed kids. Like I thought I was just doing pretty good education, right. finding best practices yeah. and finding things that I, that sounded like they worked and then trying to do them really well. And so I thought, you know, this, this could happen for more kids. Um, and, uh, I'm not going to be able to push it out there as an alt ed teacher because Mm-hmm. It's it's really easy to get stamped as an all dead teacher and to talk to a mainstream teacher and for them to always be hearing you with a filter of like, well, that works for you because you have ten kids, yeah, or or that works for you because you know because of your schedule and um, so yeah, so it was difficult to to really have conversations and feel like um, I could I could have a positive influence on the culture of a whole school, um, so now. That's that's kind of part of what I. Uh, it's a little easier for me to do that now that I'm, you know, just on a sixth grade team and talking about how how we're going to teach these all these kids. So that's okay. actually Matt why why we were like let's get Matt on because exactly what you said where you were like I thought I was just doing like what's good for any kid and all these people are like oh that's just all dead um, and I think it's really fascinating that you have made the transition to a regular classroom. Um, and I remember because we, we've worked together, like I remember when you were making that transition and, you know, thinking through it with you a little bit. And I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, what were the big things, like the big lessons for you, for you that you've learned about um, taking what you, how you were as an alt ed teacher to the mainstream classroom? Like, have, what, what's kind of been the challenges or what's worked really well? Um, anything there? Well, I, I can tell you that the challenge is, um, so you said that like at my core, I, that I ha- that I might have personal, uh, personalized learning at my core. Yeah. The, uh, the real surprising challenge is that, um, like when, when the school year is running full steam, um, I have to be really, really deliberate, uh, and, and I have to plan for, for ways to personalize the the way I'm setting out the learning because whether it's because you know you know we get conditioned by how we're taught um how to teach yeah yeah <laughs> um, like, yeah like when it gets busy it's um I can go you know I can go a couple weeks um doing things that are that are pretty much everybody in the room is doing the same thing and I'm trying to shepherd them through it and it's not that uh easy for me and it's not that engaging for them and I can also get to the point really quickly where I say to myself, you know what, the kids aren't going to be able to pull that off or the kids aren't going to run with this um, or, you know, I have, to, I have to lay this out and structure it so they're doing uh, exactly what I think they should be doing uh, at the same time and following this, this path um, and that's going to be the easiest way to do it. So, like, just as an example, you know, the first two weeks of school, I will be, uh, you know, all about finding ways for kids to, you know, you know, get on, uh, oh, I don't even remember the apps, get on doodle wop or whatever it is. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, explain, explain, you know, factoring and you know what you right, guys who yeah, yeah, yeah. all okay. set with factoring, you know, explain exponents and just, you know, put together, it's gotta be a one minute thing and, and you just go for it. And here's, you know, here are the key points and here, uh, you know, here are the key points we've talked about, you know, that's got to include and just, and just try to attach it to something that you find really interesting. And then like the first couple weeks of school, I'll open the classroom up to that. I'll bop around and I'll help guide kids through and I'll see that, you know, more than two thirds of the kids can run with it and know exactly how to, how to handle that and, um, and have great ideas and can carry them off themselves. And then there's like, you know, the five kids that, you know, one or two that needs an idea to get off the ground or right. one or two that just needs help kind of really carrying it out. Um, but like, I'll watch it and I'll be like, oh, this was just, this is how I want my classroom to feel. 
And then like October 20th, I'll be like, well, I don't know. I don't think we have time to do that. I don't think I'm going to be able to get to, you know, the assessment that I want to get to or this chapter that I really this, you know, this lesson in the book that I'm that I really should be getting to. Um, and so it's really easy for like engagement to to drop and for those those strategies to just like fall out of my radar and fall off my radar for like long periods of time if I if I'm not doing something to keep them there and also for the self-talk to be the same kinds of self-talk that I was like oh that's not true you know kids can carry this off you know you only have to differentiate for like two groups of kids three groups of kids like that kind of it's it's really easy to fall into a uh uh, a, a way of thinking about personalized learning that is is really kind of defeatist or whatever, whatever the word is. Well, that's that's so what that's we've, we've, we've talked about that that a bit. That uh, it's not just personalized learning. There is no one way to do it. It's not a cookie cutter way. Uh, I like how you said that we kind of default into the way that uh, that we've been taught is the way that we then teach yeah and you know I remember my first couple of years teaching and that's exactly what it was I mean I knew I could be doing something better but I thought that's just the way it was and that's the way everybody else was doing it yeah. so I liked when you when you said that a lot um, that there's not just this is there is no one way that there is no yeah. manual um, and that that was really interesting um, do you think that before becoming a public educator you did you did something else to, does that make you a better teacher or just does it really is it really just you attacking it from a different angle because I, I also did stuff for many years before I got into teaching and I just I just think of things a little bit different because of my experience in hiring some kids and hiring and firing and all that for, for many many times many years yeah, I just think of things different. So, how how do you feel that that experience has has helped or hurt you, or 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 with your with your peers even? Well, i I think uh, I think coming from a, a trip leading background or like outdoor education and and, um, and camping with kids, um, there are tons of opportunities where you do just. It is just much better to let the kid work through what they're what they're trying to work through, and and you know you set out this thing where like you know you have to cook dinner over a fire or or, or you know we're going to be hungry and it's not going to taste very good and and that kind of stuff. So you have this built in um, hook, right? You have this built in like urgency of like I need to get this I need to get this skill like now, <laughs> right? Um, and then and then also you know that you know I. It's it's really quick to learn as a as an instructor out there that you just can't have your hands on it as a as the instructor. You know you have to you have to let them do some things. You have to let them you know make some mistakes here and there with some with some bumpers on each side, um, and they're going to learn really fast if if they have if they have those parameters like something that they really have an urgency to know and there's an important authentic result. Uh, coming from them figuring it out and then they just you know you just can't say it in front of them you know if you if you tell them what they need to do to um, to start the camp stove and it's like seven steps or or to set up the tent like you have to it, it, it really is like you know the idea of like I do then you watch then then you do and I watch and then I I have to go over and do something else like that's basically <laughs> <laughs> the, the edge, those works. are the yeah. steps um, when you're camping, and so I think that's part of it. Um, and I think that you know you watch kids rise to the occasion on a, on a canoe trip too, uh, and and so I don't think that I that I reduce kids. Uh, I, I think that I saw enough of kids rise to the occasion that I that usually I don't you know limit what they're capable of um, before they start. I also think, and this is going to be, I want to say this without sounding too judgmental because I work with some great, uh, some great people who came in right, uh, you know, right out of college, but it does bother me when, um, when kids get the message that like, um, you know, you're not going to be ready for the real world if, uh, you know, if you can't be ready to hand in your homework on time and you can't, you know. Um, you know, can't be productive in a 45 minute period uh, in math class. 
because there are lots of versions of the real world and there are people that are thriving in ways that sometimes I'm jealous of right. um, that would never thrive in a classroom. And so I do think that like it's very easy to to be pretty successful as a as a middle school, high school, college student and then come into teaching and then know how to be successful in that realm and then to say to kids like listen if, if you don't step up and learn this uh, you're doomed because the real world is like this and honestly like academics is one pretty contained slice of the real world and um, yeah. Yeah. and the yeah. truth is like there are people who set their own schedules who dig in to something for like four and a half hours just like binge work on something um, at whatever time and, and with whoever they can find um, and, and network with and there's all this um, we, I, I love the book Drive which talks about you know the autonomy and um, and the purpose and like all that that lines up with work yeah. and a lot of yeah. that is a lot of that is missing in in the academic world but you can find a career that it's that that's that's what drives that world you know like I, I think that computer programming and and, des and web design and and um, all kinds of areas are just like wide open for uh, that type of um, that type of person who like gets their drive from uh, from having that kind of autonomy and 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 so that person is probably going to be just fine as soon as school gets out of their way um, and I see those kids all the yeah. time and I just Every once in a while, I do whisper to them or to their parents at a conference, like, "Listen, if you if we, we can just shepherd this kid through the next five years, um, you know, he's going to he's going to run his own contracting company and right. it's going to be awesome. Right. Or he's yeah. going to be working in, uh, you know, he's going to be solving problems uh, for for companies um, who want to produce something digitally." And he's going to be doing it on his own terms. So we just have to make sure that his ego is intact, and his drive to work hard at things that he loves is intact, and he doesn't get squashed down. So, so that's that's my other little uh, soapbox about about um, that it's important for for schools to also be filled with kids that they're for teachers who aren't we're just good at school, but saw what was out there, so we could say, you know what, this is where you are right now. Maybe we can try and make it a little bit more like the world you're gonna you're gonna find for yourself um, later on, as opposed to being like, oh, the real world, you know, you got to do your homework. <laughs> and that's I'm like the worst part of my real world is that I have homework still. Like I can't believe I'm 36 <laughs> and I have homework because I have plenty of friends who like they punch out yeah. and uh, and I don't, you know, teachers don't punch out, and so so like yeah, it's. It, it the real world is is just like is a huge huge like wonderful space to figure out where you fit in and it's that that bothers me when people assume that it's just school is is a is is like is a template for that it's not so true so we have to oh per, oh loved it um, yes. I'm wondering, Matt, if you can, before we say goodbye, um, this is something we ask all of our guests, kind of, it's a, it's a quick sum up in a nutshell. What do you think is your biggest do-do for personalized learning and your biggest don't do? Okay. Um, biggest do-do is, um, <clears throat> is having, um, what I want the kids to learn and the and the the levels of it from beginner all the way up to you know very advanced laid out um, you know whether it's rubrics or learning progression or whatever having that there as an as an anchor for me and for the kids because once that's there it's really easy to to have groups of kids um, coming up with their own way of of interacting with their learning. Nice, and it's so it's so easy to just be to yeah. just like put it out there, almost as a challenge. Like, oh, you want to you want to you know, <laughs> right? And, and howler monkeys, let's look at the targets. Yeah. Um, can you can you make that fit? You know, can you make this this idea that you have for a project about howler monkeys fit with what these standards are? And then point to them and be like, yeah, it fits this. It fits this. You could do that. You know, if you lay that out, 
more than half of your class is going to look at those targets and say, oh, got it. Right? Yeah, check, check, check. And then with the kids who don't get it, um, that's the anchor that they need and that you need to have like a useful like conversation that, that gets what you need out of the, out of the learning and, gets, and, and gives them a chance to, to bring themselves to it. So I think rather than you know, having everything laid out as an educator, like having that laid out so that you, that you and the student have that to kind of plan from is really important. Um, All right. The, yeah, the don't the do. Don't, the don't do's. Um, one would be um, don't use uh, personalized learning as uh, as something that you reserve for the kids who are competent and engaged. Um, and and don't hold off. And I and I'm definitely guilty of that and being like, oh man, these kids need so much before I can turn it over to them. Um, whether it's, whether it's like behavioral or whether it's, um, background knowledge, I think that, that, uh, if you can put it out and, and give them some autonomy, um, that is, that is what you need to kind of smooth over their bumpy behavior. And that's the hook that you need so that when you give them the background information, they're they're they know why they need it and they're hungry for it. So, you know, I, I think that, I think that holding it off until they're ready for it is a mistake that I make all the time and that I think keeps people from doing it, keeps people from starting. But I definitely think like it's the it's the reason that all dead worked for me. Um, you couldn't go in without a personalized uh, approach. And so it's just it really is dumbfounding to me that every day I went in and did that for all dead because you know, I couldn't reach them otherwise. And then I go to mainstream and I'm like, oh, I got to wait till they're ready for it. Or like the most <laughs> yeah. struggling learners, I went in every day and was like, this has to be priority number one. If it's priority number one in my mainstream class, it's, uh, and I'm not like waiting for them to be competent enough to do it. Um, if it's priority number one, like everything about my classroom feels better for them and for me. And, uh, and so that is my big don't do, um, is don't. Don't don't put it out there as a care. Or don't put it out there for the kids who are ready for it. Um, it should be it should be something that you kind of build build a unit around or build the build the classroom around. Awesome! Thank yeah. you so much, Matt. You really have yeah, some Matt. very powerful, wonderful things to say. We're Absolutely. so glad we had you on. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. So we'll catch up and uh, maybe we'll talk again. Some other time. Absolutely. Okay. See, see how your year is going. Yeah. Sounds right. great. Bye, Matt. Bye-bye. Great. It was so nice to catch up with Matt and to kind of talk about education and all that. It's yeah. always nice talking to people who are passionate about what uh, what we do. Yeah. Oh, that real world stuff is so good. So, <laughs> so good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> all right. So um, typically this time we do some terms and phrases we hate. Okay, so I'll start. We don't have any. It's no. summer. Yeah, it's summer. We took the summer off, just like most of you did, and really tried to reflect and do things in a more positive manner. Yeah. So for once, we're going to be really positive about this and say, just let it go. It's let it summertime. Go. Let it go. We'll have one next time, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, because school will have started. So yeah, we'll... and we'll hear things, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So. But for now, it's all good. Yeah, it's all good. So, resource review corner. Wait. Do, don't we have a jingle? Resource review corner. Excellent. I thought there was gone somewhere. Sorry. So, uh, yeah, Courtney, yeah. you're up. Um, all right. So this this week, I or this recording, this is not a weekly show. Not really. Um, <laughs> not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I have um, the book, How Is It Going? by Carl Anderson, A Practical Guide to Conferring with Student Writers. And I recently spent a week down at Teachers College at a writing institute and heard Carl Anderson speak, and I have known about him for a while now. He really is a Jedi master of um, conferring with students and getting information out of them and figuring out where they are and what they need. So I'm recommending this book because as anyone who has forayed into personalized learning knows, um, you do a lot of conferring. And I, I believe that this book 
you can take the principles and ideas in it and generalize it to any subject. It's, it's about how to sit one-on-one -on -one with a kid and get them to talk about their learning and then figure out how to move them ahead in their learning. Excellent. So it's not just about writing. Um, I don't think it is. Yeah. The, the book does is focused on writing. I think that... Taking the ideas and doing yes. some... That's Those are always the best type of books right, right. there. Yeah. Could you do something else with it? Yeah. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. It's a great book. What have you got? Uh, so for this week, I've got I've got some videos. Awesome. So on, on YouTube, uh, there's a man named Brandon Bastide who works for Gallup, mm -hmm. and he's got some great talks about uh, student polling and the way education is. Uh, we'll put a link to a couple of the really fantastic ones in the show notes. But in particular, if you search Brandon Bastide, uh, look up the one from uh, Iowa uh, and specifically Iowa Public Television. Uh, it's a couple of years old, but he talks about hope. Hope. A lot of hope and what what we're doing in schools and what we're not doing in schools that provides students with hope. And I don't want to spoil it or anything, but you just need to watch it yeah. and reflect on yourselves. Is that something that I'm doing in my classroom, in my school, in my district, in my state? Um, and how can we do better? So Brandon Bastide works for Gallup. It's tremendous. Great. And again, links in the show notes. All right. And uh, Courtney, I think we're done. That's it. Hey, guys. Enjoy your next few. I know some of you are back already. Yes. For so those who are back, back, you know, it must be your first or second week. Yeah. Uh, congratulations. Yeah. Um, give us a shout with hashtag PLearnMC. Yeah. And we'll talk next time. Smell your way up.